Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good evening. <laughs> Welcome back to a minor detail. Uh, Eric Beasley is joining me uh, via a undisclosed bunker, and I'm here in Montgomery County. We're broadcasting live, and uh, we took a break for a while. Look, we're busy. Eric's busy. He has, he has a life. I have sort of a life. You know, I have a job. Eric has a job. And I'm sorry that we couldn't bring our slanted view of the news to you. But, uh, look, we decided to kick this back off. Like, in a so generic conversation, I just emailed – or I sent Eric a Facebook message to Eric. I don't know. We should kick this thing off again. And then we found a time that works. And it looks like Sunday nights at 9 o'clock. So if you're listening, welcome back. Uh, Eric, you, hey, Ryan, you, you weren't even that specific. It was like, mm. hey, man, we should do a show again. Yeah. And it was like putting the band back together. Yeah, yeah. So this is Journey uh, Redux. Yeah, so. yeah. Part two, you know, whatever. We'll, we'll figure out a good acronym for it later and make it a video game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I don't know. We, we're going to try to do this. Like, I know in previous shows we tried to do our radio gig, you know, be – kind of like make it flow, but this is a a new theme that I'm going to personally take on. This is going to be relaxed. It's, it's not going to be, it's not going to be regimented that we have to go on to the next topic. Usually Eric and I get into long drawn out conversations or we get to talking about one issue. We may not even cover everything that's on the docket for tonight, but uh, there's a lot of stuff to talk about locally, nationally, uh, in Florida, maybe, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if we don't get to anything, we'll do a minute lightning round at the end. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Eric was, we've, we've been on the air, and it's sort of for a strategic reason because Eric ran for the Brunswick City Council, and Eric's going to talk a little bit about his race tonight um, and give you the inside scoop, uh, the forums, the two forums that he participated in the outcome, his thoughts, and uh, sort of the backdrop and the, the juice on what had happened. So, Eric, you know, what uh, you decided to run for the Brunswick City Council. You live in Brunswick. Um, you've been showing up to these meetings for the past couple of years, and you sit there and you watch, and you said, look, I think I can do um, a great job as a city councilman. I have some great ideas that I want to put forward. And you decided to get off the couch and, and run. So go ahead and talk about yeah. that. What what yeah, well, inspired well, you? I can tell you for sure that I was definitely off the couch. My uh, um, my my step tracker uh, could mm. testify to that. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no. I mean, I've been I've been pondering this for um, a little while now. As it was, I mean, you know, like local politics. That's that's where all this stuff starts. Like we can sit around, we can talk about like how we need this senator elector or whatever. But you know, the reality is, is that all politics is local. And mm. in my opinion, I think that you know, I think that I think that when somebody can see a a, a, a libertarian agenda put at a, at a small scale, it makes it a lot easier to understand what a large scale libertarian agenda would look like. Um, you know, like 
essentially because you know basically the the caricature of 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 us of libertarians is that we're like you know Ayn Randian you know <laughs> and a whole bunch of other like you know things that people say but uh you know what I wanted to do is I wanted to let people have an opportunity to kind of see what one looks like you know it's kind of like when you go to the zoo like what is a what does a lion look like in person well like well this is what a libertarian campaign looks like this is what a libertarian issues look like um so I just I went ahead and ran and uh, I you know I say I decided I you know asked a few friends for money some people you know gave me a few bucks so I put signs up did the whole did the whole door knocking thing um I had a had a good chunk of friends that were helping me out with that as well um I think overall, once it was all said and done, I think we hit about 1,100 doors um, over the course of was it three months. Wow. Um, you know, all all during the summer months too. At that, so it ain't like that was a you know like I'll, I'll door knock in December any day, okay? But this was this was a, you know summer summer campaigning. So, uh, but yeah, we uh, so we, we hit the doors. Um, the forums, I got to tell you, right? You were there. You saw them. Mm-hmm. I thought the yeah, forums were great. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, they, you were there for both of them. This was this was my favorite part. Okay, after the first forum, um, a, uh, a sitting councilman and former candidate for, I believe, county commissioner, um, Ellis Burris. Uh, he's a Brunswick staple of. Let's uh, yeah. He's a socialist. Okay, and he knows that. I talk to him all the time. I like. I do like the guy. All right. He comes up to me after the debate and or after the forum, and he was like, Eric. He's like. I agreed with everything that you said up there, and it hurts me to say that because I feel like I'm violating my progressive principles, but I agree with everything that you said at the forum. And I was like, well, thanks. He's like, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was the only candidate that he actually agreed with on everything, and I was really shocked. And I, and I, I told him afterwards, I had emailed back and forth with him, you know, like that's – that's where the, see there's crossover here like you you know libertarians are a are a, a cross partisan political perspective um so i thought that was uh, i thought i thought that was very cool um the i i've had some people tell me that uh um i didn't just do well at the debates that i owned the entire debate um but uh you know that's for uh, i'll let other people make those decisions i felt like i did in the debates well, your personality certainly dominated the, the debates, um, but let's get into the candidates, and then we'll talk about the issues. Eric, who ran alongside you in this election? Uh, me. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, there were on as far as, far as there was no uh, there was no there was only one slate, and I was not on it. Um, that's for sure. So this this election this was this was me. This was me as an individual running. Well, I mean, who, were the, who were the other candidates uh, who ran? So let's see. There was uh, Angel White, uh, incumbent, uh, um, current sitting councilwoman, um, right. Vaughn Ripley, Tom Smith, former councilman and mayor, um, Ginger Cayo, Amanda McGannon, and Laura Dvorak. So seven people running for three seats. Um, it was a pretty packed field. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think I met most of them, said hi, or, you know, exchanged pleasantries. But uh, the, the debate was interesting. And I just want to talk about a little bit about my, my perspective. We brought our kids to the first debate. We, we hung out. I recorded it. I think it was in July. It was like uh, the first or second week in July, the Monday, like the 10th. Was that right? Uh, it sounds, yeah, sometime around then, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was hot. I know that. <laughs> so it was yeah. really hot. Um, so I, 
I saw the debate and not knowing a, a significant amount about the local politics in Brunswick, I thought the debate moderator kind of hit you hard and maybe that was just my perspective and I don't know, but I thought he was a little bit snarky. I get the guy has a lot of experience. He's a respectable person, but I didn't like the tone in, in this questioning and the way that he sort of responded to follow-up questions as it, with respect to you. And I might be biased, but did you get that same impression or my way off kilter here? Well, you know, it's funny because I've heard, I've heard two different, I've heard two different perspectives. Your perspective is one of them. The other perspective is that the guy agreed with me and that yeah. the snark and kind of the, you know, cause I'm, I'm obviously not a, always a serious person. Or I think that some subjects need to have a little bit of entertainment with them. And yeah. so I've, I actually heard some people say that he was reciprocating that same sort of like uh, playfulness and that it seemed like he agreed with me. So I heard two things. What I did hear, I can tell you for sure is that, the moderators, I seem to be the only one that the moderator really enjoyed having up there. Um, I heard that perspective many, many times. You know, oh, that, sure. like, there's, that, you know, that, like we're, we're talking about issues here. We shouldn't be, like, stuffy <laughs> when we're talking about them. Like, we need to be able to – people need to be interested in them. And we need to provide a minimal amount of entertainment. I'm not saying I'm going to go up there and be Jon Stewart. But, like <laughs> – you know, it, it helps to keep people interested. Um, so I heard, I heard different things. What I heard was that basically from the, the two perspectives is that the moderator did not hurt me when I was up there. I don't know if he didn't hurt you. I, I just felt like the tone was sort of laced with snark. I may be wrong, yeah. and I know that you mentioned the two perspectives, but I fell on the left side of that perspective where I felt like yeah. he, he, he maybe steps out, out – he stepped outside of my comfort zone of what I expect a moderator to be, and I, I just felt like that you provided an answer, and then he had to add his own commentaries in response to your answer, and maybe mm -hmm. I don't, that's not me. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have conducted the, uh, as a mod, I wouldn't conduct it myself as a moderator um, in, in, the, in the format yeah. in which he did. But that's yeah. I mean, I, I enjoyed it because I like the, the discussion. Yeah, well, I can tell that's what a lot of people saw. I think. Well, that's good. And um, from my perspective, the the issues you talked about, sidewalks, you talked about the the leadership, the um, the current um, it, uh, city administrator, and I have to say, from my from sitting in the audience and never before uh, meeting some of these candidates or knowing. Um, and advance their perspective on this race, I can tell you that uh, some of them had no idea what the hell they were talking about. And yeah. I just thought that, that some were very ill-prepared, their execution was poor, and um, their delivery was abysmal, and some were just outright hostile uh, to some of the questions. And I appreciated, I appreciate your, your intellectual consistency throughout the debate. You made a very libertarian perspective, and some people, I think, may not even understand the whole philosophy of why you run, why you, why you did run, and what you were hoping to accomplish on the local level. But I nonetheless, and, I'm, and, and maybe this is going to sound biased, but from my perspective and from many others' perspective, you were the most informed. You had answers that were laced in your, your principle, and you provided solutions. That's what, what I was looking for. If I were a Brunswick city resident, what's the solution to the sidewalk? And you had a very interesting response there. 
Yeah, and see, and th- honestly, Ryan, that's why I did as well as I did was because even people that disagreed with me appreciated the fact that I actually took damn position yeah. on this stuff and actually had a perspective and actually had some values, you know, like, uh, um, and I think that's, that right there is what got it. There was, there was many times in all of this form throughout this campaign. This is, this is what also helped too. But as you mentioned, there was definitely some negative remarks towards me. Hey, stop eating the Cheetos there, fat boy. Mm. Um, but there's definitely some, uh, you know, um, there's plenty of opportunities where I could have gone negative during the campaign in many, many respects. And I never did. Didn't have yeah. to. I didn't really, didn't really want to. I think that's what a lot of, I think that's what a lot of, uh, a lot of the, uh, the local haters were expecting. And you I have local haters. Yeah. I have yeah, local haters. About that. <laughs> oh yeah. There's plenty of them. I mean, um, you know, since honestly they're not that important, I'm not even going to mention some of their names. But uh, we do have an anonymous hater out there who seems to who seems to see fit to spend thousands of dollars to try to uh, slander me, um, which seemed to have backfired. So, well, let's talk about that because that was a that was a key point in this campaign and one that um, when I knew it was going down, when you and I talked about it. Um, you handled it with, with a lot of class, but I, sitting in the background as your friend, I, I just, I was, I was furious. And I still am because the person who did it, um, you know, we can't say with 100% certainty, but I did an article on it and we both, in, you know, you said, okay, go with what you know and I'll let you take this because I'm still a candidate and you didn't want to get into the weeds of, pointing fingers and writing blog articles on a minor detail about mm-hmm. this. So I did what I do and we put the facts together with the information that we had at our disposal and uh, we put two and two together and it looks like uh, the person who did it was Robin Ficker. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm 99.9% positive that it was him because the flyer that he used had the same postal code as um, and, it, and it originated from a company in Rockville to which he used previously in his other past campaigns. And just this past campaign, it's the same exact code um, on the flyer. And um, when I called the, the company that was in question, and I don't, I don't really think we need to mention who they are, but the co- when I called the company, um, the guy was, <laughs> he, just, he hung up on me. Then I called back. And I said, look, I'm, I'm, an, I'm a reporter with a minor detail. We, it's a local blog. Uh, I live in Montgomery County. I'd like to find out who your client is, what you put out, why, and who was behind it. And I even paid the guy a visit. Remember I told you that? Yes, yes. I, I, yeah. I remember the story. <laughs> it didn't go well. So, look, they, were, they basically dummied up and said nothing. Um, knowing that they could be in a raft of shit for what had happened. Um, they pulled a Clinton defense. Yeah, I pulled a well, – <laughs> God bless her because she's resting right now with her head up on a pillow. So we got to be careful with what we say about our, our friend Hillary. Um, <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, but so it looks like that Robin Ficker is the culprit behind this anonymous mailer. And I just want to say – why did why was it anonymous, Eric? Why does why does Brunswick allow for anonymous campaign mailers? <laughs> Look, 
because Brunswick election law has not changed for like 30 years. Okay, like the Brunswick. So the way that it works in Maryland, um, you got to remember, municipalities can determine their own election law. They don't fall under the state board of elections. Okay, so we have a state law mandating stuff like, um, you know, for example, authority lines and and such. Now, at municipal level, at the municipal level. Basically, each municipality has to pass a law stating that you have to have an authority line. Well, yeah. Brunswick's was never updated. I mean, I, I looked around a little bit. You know, like authority lines, that's not exactly a new thing. I mean, authority lines have been around since as long as you and I have been alive, okay, in, in many areas. And basically, nobody in Brunswick ever thought that they should get around to updating their campaign finance laws. Yeah. So that, you know, and I'll, that I'll, created and I'll an opening. You, yeah, that, that created an opening just because you know Brunswick is is was incorporated in 1890, and our city charter is horrendously outdated. Yeah, and it's not and, even just this. I mean, we we have a law against body houses in Brunswick for crying out loud. Okay, uh, like <laughs> that's actually in our city charter. A body house. What's a body house? Sounds dirty. You know, I had to. I had to look it up. It it is a, it's a whorehouse. Oh. Okay. Like, see, the Brunswick City Charter was written before whorehouses were illegal at the state level. So they oh. made them illegal in the city. Okay, that's how old the city charter is. That's how old Brunswick is. And it's like well, you got to update every once, you know, at least every 20 years, at least go through and update the dang thing. You know, and, I can and the prevalence of of, of whorehouses existing within Brunswick city limits since you had such ample opportunities through transportation hubs through the, the railroad. And, you know, you have whores <laughs> in and whores out. So apparently, yeah, I mean, Hey, you know, history lane. I mean, now there, now there is a local historian. Maybe I should, should see if, uh, see if I can get the scoop on a uh, Brunswick body houses uh, someday. Mm. That'd be a fun article to write, wouldn't it? <laughs> That would be a lot of fun. That would be a historical perspective about the the uh, <laughs> reflections of uh, of Brunswick in, in modern society. Um, it's so punny, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no. So I mean, basically, you know, that's how this mailer was able to uh, sneak on out was through uh, old campaign finance laws. Mm-hmm. Um, so what? As of, so let's talk about the mailer itself. What was in the mailer? What what was it that that it looks, it appears that Robin Ficker um, created, and by the way, it was so shoddy. It was such a, an elementary school looking mailer that was whipped up with probably in a half an hour or less. And it was, two, I think it was two sides and it just, it looked bad, Eric. It really looked bad. Yeah, it was, uh, it was bad. Basically what it was, um, what it, what it appears happened is, um, and I, I did reference my own documentation for this. Um, so as everybody knows, I've been divorced before. Okay. Now oh my. I know. Oh my God. All right. So, you know, when you get divorced, you have, you, you submit a, like a petition and on the petition is the complaint. And what you do is now what a lot, what a reasonable person does is say, we shouldn't be married anymore, so we're going to get divorced, okay? That's what a reasonable person puts in their complaint. That's what was on my complaint was, I'm done with this marriage. Like, let's end it, okay? My yeah. ex's complaint was a laundry list of a bunch of made-up stuff and stories um, because she wanted to – she was trying to get more money out of the divorce. Wow. And 
So basically, all of these quotes from this mailer were from that complaint. Now, the problem is that complaint is not public record. Okay, that complaint, there are four people in the world that have a copy of that complaint. All right, I'm one of them. My, lawyer's an, my lawyer is another one, and then her and her lawyer. So I don't know who or how or where this, where this privileged information came from, but what I can tell you is that I, w I mean, <laughs> this is me. I'm, I will find out how this privileged information came out, and if it's a lawyer that disclosed it, then I'm going to do everything I can to disbar them. Well, this person, look, Robin Finker is a lawyer. I don't know how many, I don't know what his workload is, but I know the, sh I know the shady way how he attracts clients. And yeah. that is, that, that, that's for another entire, that's for an entirely different show on a minor detail. And maybe we'll, we'll do a piece on it. But the way that Robin Finker has conducted himself locally for the last 30 years has been beyond reproach. It's disgusting. He's, Definitely one of the most mm -hmm. disliked people in Maryland politics, probably the most hated pe person in Montgomery County. And it's not just because of his petition drives and his goofy antics. I mean, most of that could be just overlooked or chalked up to, well, it's just Robin. That's, that's who he is. He's been running for 30 years. He hasn't been elected <laughs> since the late 70s. And, mm -hmm. you know, when he was running in the Republican primary and he had um, seven other competitors, you and I – were very fair to him. In the, in, in the opening of the campaign, you and I tried to do everything that we possibly could to be fair to each and every candidate. Um, you know, well, there we were, was an exception. Well, okay. When you put both of us together, we were fair to all the candidates, okay? Because there were some phases you were a little unfair to Terry Baker and, True. you know, so on. But when you put both of us together, we were fair across the board to all the candidates. But anytime that we had... In a pen, we didn't run in a pen, anytime we printed the facts about Ficker, his background, or we stated that no, and like what he was pumping out there on social media world, um, he wasn't ahead. You know, there's no poll that would possibly put him ahead, you know, despite the, the Red Maryland poll, which was hilarious, that we <laughs> debunked multiple times because we know that it was likely Brian Griffin sitting in the background pushing the the refresh button and then clicking it over and over again, like, give me a break. Um, or he just made up the numbers. That's possible. Yeah, he just too. made up the numbers. I mean, <laughs> he's, a guy you, he's a guy that you cannot fundamentally trust. And then, of course, mm -hmm. you had his, they had their little backers that we don't even need to get into, but um, it'll be interesting to, to talk about that at some later point. But nonetheless, yeah. you had Robin Ficker who just acted like a, a huge jerk throughout this entire process. And finally, we just started calling him out on it. And then he really took issue with something that you wrote back in the fall. And I'll let you go into that. Yeah, he, uh, well, I think it was actually January. I think it was like one of my first articles on a minor detail, actually, was the uh, mm -hmm. um, stolen valor thing. Um, basically, you know, Robin Faker has been running around claiming that he, you know, well, and, and, and it's, it's snaky lawyer speak is what it is just to be fair, um, where I, uh, he, he'll say, I attended West Point. The problem yeah. is, is that he didn't actually graduate. He got kicked out <laughs> for misconduct. 
Okay. Then he went, he went ahead and, uh, you know, I, I tried writing this Ryan, but it's really complicated. And so I think it's, it'd be a lot easier to actually just say it. Um, Mm -hmm. so what he, one of the things he did is he posted a, uh, his honorable discharge certificate from the army. Okay. And it said, uh, PFC Ficker, okay. was in the army from 1960 to 1966. All right. The problem here is that that's actually not possible by army regulations. Okay, the army regu- army has something called retention control points. So basically, you have to be a certain rank when you've had X amount of years in service. Otherwise, you're automatically discharged. Okay, in the instance of a PFC, if you're a PFC after four years, you're automatically discharged. It's three or four, one of those. Um, if you're a specialist and you've been in eight years, you're discharged, um, and then the the scale goes up until once you are an E6 or a staff sergeant, you can hit your 20 years and you can still be in the army, right? So basically, you can't be a six-year PFC unless you were demoted and then kicked out, okay? Or you were kicked out of West Point and you were kicked out for misconduct, because right. when, you're at, when you're at West Point, if for some reason, say, say you were at West Point and you academically failed, um, like your classes, what the military would actually do is you would automatically become an NCO. You would be a sergeant upon discharge from West Point. And they'd send you back to the regular army to fulfill your enlistment term. Well, Ficker was thrown out of West Point as a PFC. That means that he was not actually honorably discharged. Okay, My guess is, um, and the problem is, is that Records don't exist from back then. There was a big um, fire at the National Archives in 1970, 1971, mm. um, that destroyed a lot of records. Because I've actually requested records from my, my family members, uh, like my great-grandfather, and his records were destroyed. Um, basically, mm. anybody in the Army and the Air Force between like 1890 and like 19, and 1965 – was um, in this wing, and it was like it's certain like last names, and basically a lot of the records got destroyed. A lot of the original D two fourteens, which is kind of like your official army paperwork when you get discharged, oh, yeah. a lot of a lot of that was destroyed. And so basically, um, given the the time frame, there's no real way to unfortunately verify why he was actually kicked out, unless he has D two fourteen now. I can tell you, if he had his DD-214 and he published it, I guarantee you it would actually back up what we stated. That's the, if he has his, his honorable discharge certificate, he has his DD-214. So, again, this is just, you know, it's lawyer speak, leaving out certain little things to make you right, because if you got too detailed, then you'd be wrong. But we, you originally found that the People Magazine article, I believe it was written in 92, and that was how you first discovered that he was thrown out. Otherwise yes. we may not have never known. Yeah. People magazine, sports illustrated. There was a, there was a, a multitude of articles cause you know, infamous sports oh, yeah. heckler. So there was a lot of articles that were talking about that. He that, that the articles were citing his own words that, and that's why we went ahead and published it. And it's, it's like, yeah. you know, when I saw that, I was thinking to myself, seriously, this guy's been around for like 30 years and A, nobody even like checked into this and B, none of the, the news media in the entire freaking state has pulled this out. Like, what, what were they doing? Were they sleeping at the wheel? It took, like, right, it took me 20 minutes and I was using airplane internet, okay? I was flying back from California when I was researching mm. this, okay? And I was able to find it, 
All right, so if I can find it on almost on, on like you know three G like internet speeds in twenty minutes, then there's no reason why you know the Baltimore Sun or the Washington Post or the Frederick News Post couldn't have found the same thing in less time. I think they've written so much about Ficker over the years between his sports heckling at the the Washington games, between his antics, the way that he you know with his campaign signs, and we talked about all this on previous shows. He's been a fixture in Montgomery County politics. I describe him as a gadfly, one of you know a social, you know, somebody that's socially inept. I mean, I've had my run-ins with him both in public and in private and on Facebook. And you know, in a way, he's kind of like Donald Trump in that he's a gnat. He won't go away, and um, he's just not as smart. Well, I don't want to say as smart as Trump, but he's not as effective as Trump because yeah, he. He's been running the same shtick for the last 30 years, and anybody who takes him on, uh, he, you know, he lashes out at and has just said ridiculous things about me personally, about my family personally, you know, just down to the question of my relationship with Kim. I mean, this is sick stuff. I mean, it's like Christopher Mason kind of stuff. And yeah, it, yeah. and so well, hopefully, you know, hopefully, honestly, Ryan, hopefully. You know, <laughs> who knows what he'll run for again? Okay, I, I, I hate to say it. I hope it's down in Montgomery County so he doesn't come up here anymore. Um, <laughs> y'all can deal with it. Look, you, you look, Montgomery County Republicans, you created this. All right, so um, you should have to deal with it. Well, not you, but just you know, the party. You know, I, I do the same thing. I do the same thing to Elise. Actually, if like if Elise does something and then Zane starts like throwing a fit over it, I always look at her and be like, Hey, you, you created it. So you fix it. Um, yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, Montgomery County, this is this is your mess. You guys need to need to take care of this. So, but it just looks like that. Um, in retribution, he paid for out of his own pocket a negative mailer that highlighted whatever was written in uh, your old divorce records, and you know basically accused. You know it was so taken out of context. But it was anonymous. Nobody put their name to it. And uh, well, that, that's what cowards do, Ryan. You know, cowards don't have the guts to like, you know, sit here on, you know, on blog talk radio and say, hey, I did this or I didn't do that. I mean, well, I, asked I don't him. expect much he, else. He didn't. Him. I reached out, you know, I did my journalistic duty and reached out, responded. Um, <laughs> he wouldn't respond. Eric, I hope you're going to follow up on this. And I hope that in a way that you, um, I don't want to know, I don't know if I can use the word vindicated, but I hope that you can somehow write this wrong in this and, and just steer this ship in, in a positive direction. I think that, uh, honestly, now I tell you what, it would have been a lot clearer message if I had won. Okay. We never got to that. Okay. So just real oh, yeah, quick, you I lost, came in, right? Yeah. I came in fourth place out of seven. Um, I had, so basically I was the, the first loser, um, in this race. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I was going up against the Huff machine. So, I mean, what else, you know, that's kind of yeah. what happens, unfortunately. Uh, hold on, Ryan. I have to kiss my kid. Good night. Okay. Where's our kids? Okay. Um, Nobody it, kissed me good time. Well, you're too far away and Montgomery County sucks. But, uh, so, uh, so basically, um, yeah, I, I mean, it came in four out of seven. I got like 434 votes. It was a record turnout election for Brunswick. We had 1,300 people turn out to actually cast the ballot. Um, 
and 1,300 out of like 4,400. So that's the highest turnout for a municipal election ever. Um, and, you know, me personally, I think that coming, having such a solid performance, I think that that pretty well refuted everything that, uh, you know, this, uh, this anonymous coward tried to do. I had plenty of people um, throughout the political spectrum basically come out and say, this is what's wrong with politics, and this is why I'm voting for Eric. Yeah, that, and it was yeah. what's wrong. And even your detractors um, followed up, and I saw they wrote on social media after I did that long piece about our findings about who may have put this information out and did this negative mailer. Some of the people that weren't necessarily in your corner came out and, str- and strongly supported you and said, you know, um, we may not back his positions, but we don't, we don't uh, condone this type of behavior and especially not in our small town. And that's, that's yeah. sad. I, I mean, I think, I think the best thing to come out of this is I think it gave everybody a reality check. Okay. There's some pretty vile characters in this town. Okay. Some pretty like nutbag Bernie Sanders types that say the most disgusting things you could imagine about people. Okay. Especially mm-hmm. about me. And I think that this mailer, I think it gave all of them a really good reality check because it's people like that that lay the foundation for this sort of campaigning. Okay. It is people who sit around on social media behind their keyboards and cry about things without actually doing any work themselves and say nasty stuff in the, in the safety and comfort of their own home because they're too afraid to do it in public. They all got a reality check for this because they saw this is this is what they, like I, like I just said this is the monster that they created this is the sort of election that those people created in their own town and I think that a lot of them because I tell you what when when that flyer came out though that group collectively shut their mouths for an entire weekend and I think it's because they realized. I think that some whether they're conscious of it or not, they realize that this is this was what they did. Somebody else may have paid for it, but it's their attitudes and their behaviors that make this okay. So let's let's step into a new direction. Um, Von Ripley won. Um, Angel is it White? Angel White. Yes. She won, and Tom Smith was reelected, and he sort of has an interesting election history and. Stepping yeah. this and, uh, down, um, and then Jeff Snoots won as mayor. Um, I yeah, which was great for mayor, but uh, yeah. So I mean, they've had two meetings so far. Um, nothing really exciting, quite frankly. Um, so we'll. Uh, I think there's a meeting on this Tuesday, I believe. Yeah, the 13th. Um, so we'll see if they come up with anything else. Um, what I'm really most looking forward to is I'm looking forward to them proposing those uh, campaign finance law changes that all of them said that they supported during the campaign after the mailer came out. So I'm actually kind of like curious as to see, to see who's the first one that brings it up. Um, yeah. And here's another question. Now that the um, then councilman, now mayor snoots, um, because he was elected mayor, uh, he had to resign his council seat, which left an opening and the council set a date for December the sixth, I believe, right? December the sixth. Yeah, December. It's the that. Yeah, December sixth. Okay, which leaves an open seat. Eric, are you going to run? Yes. I am still. Uh, I'm still debating. Uh, basically, okay. another uh, another Alex Mooney Huff funded candidate has emerged uh, to run yeah. for the seat. Um, you know, somebody that basically. I guess they uh, didn't want to have to 
try to run a real race against seven opponents. They decided to just wait around. And uh, so, honestly, I'm not sure if I'm going to run, man. I tell you what, like, I, I need to figure out if I feel comfortable asking my, my, my friends, you know, my friends like Laura, Nick, and you, and whoever, and, and Team Schaff, um, you know, I need to figure out if I'm comfortable with asking them to come out here and give this another go so soon. I can tell you I don't have the time to knock on another 1,100 doors. Um, I, I, just, I just don't. Um, I, you know, I, I put off so much stuff this summer um, in order to run, and, you know, I'm in the middle of catching up on all of that, on all those sort of things right now, stuff that I need to do around the house, stuff I need to do with my family. And so I'm not, a, I'm not 100% sure what I'm going to do. Well, no, that's, that's, that's certainly a very respectable response and one that I can appreciate. And this guy that jumped in, he was a former councilman. He's a local doctor, and he's a well-respected member of the community. That we won't subtract from his background, but this was a plant because we know that the, the Huff team, the, 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 the people who surround themselves and connect themselves to Team Huff, Joey Lynn and Michael, they – they were never in your corner. They backed your opponents in the race, Vaughn Ripley, Tom Smith, and Angel White. In fact, they held a fundraiser at one of the local establishments in, the, in Brunswick on behalf of the three. And we've gone after Michael Hoff before in, 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 in writings and on the show, and we've talked about why we, de- why, believe, why we believe as Republicans that he is a damaging force within the Republican Party – and they take that to yeah. heart. That's fine. Look, they, they, and you knew he was never going to back you, but well, no, um, actually, even worse, Ryan. He was he was actively sabotaging my campaign uh, all yeah, summer. I know. Like he, it, it wasn't even like it wasn't even. Oh, I'm not going to vote for the guy. It was he was going out of his way. A state senator apparently has is so worried about little old me that he has to go around Brunswick trying to sabotage my campaign, harassing my supporters. Okay. And when you mean harassing, and, what do you mean? What do you what do you mean by that? I mean harassing my supporters. People when if if he saw somebody with one of my campaign signs in their yard, he would knock on their door and try to convince them to take it down. Okay. Yeah. Like I mean think about that. Like should well, does the state center have people? a doesn't he have a day job? Like I have a day job. Okay. I have things that I have to do. Apparently I don't know what he does. I mean, you and I both have complicated. I mean, you and I have busy day jobs that consume a lot of time of our life. I just recently started a new position in Rockville that I love and it takes up a lot of time and I'm focused on that. And this is all extracurricular. We don't get paid for this. um, But I don't know what Michael Huff does other than make the money from his, um, state's Senate, you know, stuff. And I mean, I think the guy is just like Alex Mooney. I think he's a professional politician and he makes money doing professional political things. Yeah, apparently. I mean, apparently somebody was, apparently he felt it worth his time to go around and harass my supporters. And so like, yeah, honestly, I'm in, in a way I'm kind of honored that, you know, a state Senator yeah. is so concerned about this, that he would spend that much time trying to sabotage me. You know, and it doesn't, you know, doesn't even have the the guts to look me in the eyes when he's in the same room. I mean, what does that tell you? Like, you know, I've I've dealt with cowards before, but most of the cowards were, you know, Taliban, not state senators. So, um, no, that's so true. yeah. But, but Eric, uh, but yeah, no, so it was a, it was a, let me just say in in, in closing because we got some other stuff we can talk about too. Um, yeah, it was a it was fun. 
That's what I have to say. Camp- campaigns are fun. Knocking on doors is fun. I lost a little bit of weight. Elise is happy about that. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to do it again in December, but I definitely think that 2018 is going to be a, a, another year of the Beasley. Well, that's good. You, you're you an incredibly resilient person. I know you, I know that. Um, you're going to be just fine. You know, oh, yeah. you didn't win this time, but there's there's so much more in the future. And I, I know when I lost um, on the Board of Education, it, it's tough, but you move on, but then you um, you keep applying your passion to an adventure, and you uh, you just you just keep moving. So, um, you know, Eric, I'm glad you ran, and I know you're going to keep in t- and in tune with what's happening in Brunswick, and I I know you'll use a minor detail to point out issues that you agree and disagree, and we we build a, a solid readership from that part of Maryland, and and I'm and for that I'm I'm happy because. That's Brunswick is sort of that often overlooked small town in, in Frederick County, and uh, it's a neat place. I, I really like Brunswick, and it seems like a great place to raise a family. Absolutely. That's hey, we moved here for a reason. That's what I always tell people. Like, I, I moved here from Laurel for a reason, and it wasn't you know, it wasn't random. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So, so but uh, let's move on. So we have some um, Speaking of a minor detail, um, you know, we were featured in a Frederick magazine this year yeah. or this month, a little spread on a local bloggers. I wish Catherine were listening so she could call in so she could talk about it. Maybe she is. I don't know. She said she might listen, but Catherine, if you're listening, this is the, our friend Catherine who wrote this fantastic article in Frederick magazine. And I feel like a celebrity because like I've never had a magazine spread. Um, but if Catherine is listening, <laughs> Yeah, seriously. If you're listening, you can call in on your cell phone, whatever, 646-716-5971. We'll patch you in. But, uh, Eric, you first contacted me and said, oh, wait, um, Catherine. Now, I always say her name wrong. Her last name. Is it uh, Heerbrand? Heerbrand. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, so Catherine Heerbrand is – go ahead. Catherine emailed us, right? And and Ryan Ryan had sent me an email. They're like, hey, so should we respond to this? Like, should we talk to her? And so I responded. I replied to Ryan, and I said, like, what is it that I said? It's something like, you know, she's a loony lib, but she's actually pretty fair mm-hmm. in her writing. Oh, okay? yeah. So in that within that reply, I actually somehow – I accidentally sent that reply off to Catherine when I accepted her invite to, like, sit down and meet with her. Mm-hmm. And so she was like – she had responded, and it's like, oh, it was something like, are you sure you can be around a loony lib like me that long? And I was like, at first I was like, oh shit. Like, well, I probably shouldn't have sent that to her, but you know what? Like she didn't freak out. Like I was very, I was, I was just thought, you know, like some people would have been like, oh, you know, got all huffy about it. But like she took it, she, she, she took it very well. She took it in the way that I intended it. You know, like I intended it as like, well, she's, She's a, she's a lib, but you know what? She writes good articles, and that that's what it was intended. It wasn't intended as an insult. And then, uh, like she she of course had to mention that, ask me about that during our little interview. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, it was a gr- I think I I've read some of the article. It was a I think it was a a great coverage of a minor detail. Yeah, she talked about some some of the local bloggers, political bloggers, and that were covering Frederick and I last week I went up to Frederick and picked up a copy of the article um, in Frederick magazine. And uh, so when I met with Catherine, it was in July. It was a really, it was a really humid day. And we met in Panera bread 
And I really like her. She's, she's a sweet, mm -hmm. very sweet person, smart. We have very similar mutual interests. We both love journalism. We both love the fourth estate. And uh, we had a lot in common. And she said, well, you're nothing like what everybody told me. Well, some people told, told me, told her about me. I'm like, no, you can't believe those people. They're not very nice. They, <laughs> so, um, you know, I think uh, she came in with a fair perspective and, we sat and had a great conversation. She took lots of notes, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, it was um, it was a good article. And I'm just looking at it, um, and I'm just reading it. And she said she wrote this, which I am I, I'm, I'm kind of happy about because it's true. She wrote a minor detail is a meticulous about sourcing and following the trail of a story, often accompanied by commentary. Eric Beasley local activist and computer security professional started blogging with minor in January. And then she talked about um, that we have a libertarian slant, which is true. We do. We, we do a lot of articles that, uh, that express our viewpoint of limited government and the libertarian philosophy. And she talked about us taking on Robin Ficker and Michael Huff. And she, she talked about uh our, your candidacy, my former candidacy mm -hmm. for the Board of Education, and um, she told, she wrote about the anecdote that you provided her about uh, Delegate Bill Fulton's Heroes Highway Act, and uh, yeah. good article. It's um, it's not yet out on the web on Frederick Magazine or FredMag.com, but if you go to a local grocery store like I did, I went to Wegmans. Um, and I found this copy in their magazine section of the grocery store. We, uh, our pictures aren't in it, which is fine, but, um, <laughs> probably better. They didn't want to yeah. you know, scare people away. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> she did a great job and we were on a radio show on Thursday afternoon and we talked about basically how we started this blog, um, about how we, you know, what we write about, who we write about, our kind of the format in which we do it, and it was a good it was a it was a good interview. And she asked me, you know, what what I think about Michael Huff, and I called him a smarmy little weasel. And no, I don't apologize for that because I think in a way that Michael Huff is a smarmy little weasel. And you know, right just, when you said that, I thought she was going to fall out of her chair. Okay, really? I was. Oh, you yeah, were in the studio, and, right? Yeah, because I, I was I was right there with her, and like just the like I I I I'm surprised that she maintained the tiniest bit of composure. Um, apparently, it's a th it's a thing. Apparently, Democrats really like it when Republicans criticize other Republicans that they don't oh. like. So, yeah, that's a. <laughs> I was like, we do that a lot. Yeah, that, yeah, that might be why she likes us. Well, um, so. <laughs> I've heard that before, where people have said, "Well, Ryan." You're every Democrat's favorite Republican. I'm not sure that's a compliment. I don't know how to take that. You know, it's, again, it's that that's that's the uh, the bipartisan nature of being a libertarian. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's but I just want to say to Catherine, we really appreciate that. You know, you spent a lot of time um, putting together your, you know, corralling your sources and getting them to show up to in one place and you interviewed some other folks that um, you can read about in Frederick's magazine, but uh, it's a good article. I posted it on the blog on a minor detail.com. So if you scroll back a couple different, a couple articles, I think I posted it last, yeah, last Monday on labor day. 
um, you, you can find what she wrote and um, we just appreciate that very much because uh, it legitimizes us, Eric. That's right. Yep. Yeah, we're, we're, um, we have a we have an expose, so that means that we're legit, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Eric, I have something to play for you. Uh oh. If it plays, hold on. Oh come on, this was gonna be fun. Oh, come on, Ryan. You can... No, you're not. You're not a registered voter in the district. So let's see. You moved down to Florida after losing two campaigns in Maryland. You say you're going to stay in Maryland and fight. You tuck tail, run away to Florida. You go look to run in District 18. You see you're not going to be able to win there. You try to run in District 19. You're losing there. You're like a professional political candidate who loses, Dan. You just because lose. you have no idea why I moved to Florida. You... I know you moved here and, and you it, wanted to it, run for. Hey, you wanted to run. For... Oh, Dad! You see, why are you yelling now? Go fuck yourself! Oh, Dad, Dad! Is that, is that like an offer or something? Is that an offer? Hey, Dad! Do me a favor. I'll no, handle the questions and you handle the answers. I'm not just hey, calm you. down. Oh, Dan! You really sound like mother, you need some help. I think hey, you need some help. Fuck yourself. Okay. You hear me? Do you realize you sound that. like you need medication? You, and let me tell you, you sound like you need medication, I Dan. I you, do you need? You, maybe you need some professional help. I think you need professional help. I think you need professional help. You don't know why I'm in Florida. I know you're in Florida running a race and that you're losing in it by your attitude because you're swearing and acting out. And I also know that you looked at running in another district and you knew you couldn't win there either. So let's see. That's three. Now. Okay. And when I tell everybody the real reason I'm down here, I'm going to expose your fucking ass even more. All right. You, you, oh you're, you're, you're free to do that. And you can continue, to threaten, you can continue to threaten me if, you, if you'd like. You're a piece of shit because okay. you're a lying scumbag. And it's people like you. You haven't even established where I lied. We've already established in the record where you've lied. Yeah, you're, and now you're acting you out and you're swearing. You're a piece of shit. You know what? Go fuck yourself. All right. Well, you hung up on me. Okay, Eric, so that was a, uh, I'm not even sure of the legality of that phone call, and who knows, but that that's was That's still up for debate, apparently, yes. Yeah, that's still up for debate, but that was a phone call recorded by um, the 2014 Republican nominee for Maryland's 6th Congressional District, as well as the 2012 U.S. Senate, Senate candidate for Maryland, um, Dan Bongino, who ran decided that he was going to run in Florida this time in the 19th Congressional District. And um, he, he recently moved there last year. And uh, it didn't go too well for Dan, did it? No. So, well, uh, first off, full disclosure, I did actually volunteer for Dan's campaign in 2014. Um, mm-hmm. So I was uh, – I, I worked for him. But, uh, yeah, apparently he came in third in the primary. Um, I, I guess – I would say trounced would be the word that I would use to describe it. Yeah. Um, and uh, apparently this this phone call fiasco happened, and uh, <laughs> yeah, let's just say that uh, a lot of a lot of our mutual friends had some interesting comments about it. Well, you know, I've I've had my run-ins with Dan, um, and my my mine go back. I used to work for Dan. It was back in 2011. And I worked on a Senate campaign. Yeah. And uh, when I first met Dan, 
It was back in the summer of July of 2011. In fact, I got a call. It was out of nowhere from a former gubernatorial candidate who ran in the 2010 Republican primary against former Governor Bob Ehrlich. And this guy, his name is Brian Murphy. He he called. I, I used to volunteer on Brian's campaign. Great guy, smart, uh, a Wharton guy. And uh, he, he got like 25% against Ehrlich, which is sort of, that was good. I mean, it was like, you know, it was, yeah. it was interesting. He, he, he ran a grassroots campaign and, and tapped in some of that Tea Party support. And at the time, I said, you know what? I'm not going to support the establishment guy. I'm going with Brian Murphy. He was a young, young guy. Anyway, he called me up and said, you're a great volunteer. I'd like to, for you to meet my friend Dan Bongino. He's thinking about running for U.S. Senate. So I drove um, from, you know, I drove, I left my house and met Dan in the summer at a Starbucks in Severna Park where he lived. And um, I, I, we, 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 we met, we kicked it off great. I'm like, wow, this guy is the real deal. He's smart. He has a lot of drive. He's passionate, former Secret Service agent, a compelling story. Narrative is great. Uh, his wife, Paula, is a wonderful person. Mm-hmm. His daughter, uh, you know, he had a young daughter who was just a very kind person. And I got to know Dan, and then I started volunteering and was working with their campaign. And then, um, then he hired me, as they say, to be his driver. They, like, sort of downplay it. But, I mean, okay, I did a lot more than just drive him, but, you know, I guess the fallout, they had to say that I was just his driver. But so I left the campaign in late December because he, someone, someone apparently told him that I was like being a playboy and like hitting on women and like doing all kinds of like just being like, you know, a freaking playboy. And some activist apparently told him that, uh, I like sent inappropriate messages and then um, a blogger wrote about that in 2013. And it's not true. I never did that. I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff that I could say, but I'm not. Anyway, um, Dan apparently fired me. Um, That's the story, but he never did it. In fact, Dan never did it himself. He had his former campaign manager, Jim Gibbons, tell me that they ran out of money in December of 2011, they couldn't pay their staff anymore. But then in January, when I thought maybe I would come back to the campaign when they raised a little bit more money, Jim Gibbons called me and told me that, no, we're, we decided not to have you back. And then that was that. And Dan and I were fine. We saw each other out at different events. And then, um, you know, I heard some things that he was saying about me and, you know, I let it go. And then Back in 2013, you're, you're going to like this story, Karen. You're going to really love this story. <laughs> you, know. You, you know this story. So back in 2013, um, Dan was considering running for first governor of Maryland when, when that race, because the big race was in 2014, and of course we all know how that turned out. And it's a good, yeah. it was a good turnout um, because Larry Hogan was elected. But anyway, he was considering running for governor, and he was kind of, I guess, in between about where he was going to go, what he was going to do. And then he decided to run for U.S. Congress in our district up in uh, Western Maryland, where Dan actually performed pretty well in his U.S. Senate campaign. Um, so uh, Dan just started running for Congress. And then um, for some reason, um, when he found out that I was supporting David Craig, 
And like, who am I? I'm just, I'm a nobody, right? I'm like supporting David Craig because I thought he was the most prepared candidate to run. And this was even well before, Larry Hogan didn't even jump into the election, um, into the into the race until like uh, January of 2014. Um, but when Dan was putting out fillers to run for governor, I got behind Larry, uh, I'm sorry, uh, David Craig, who was the former Hartford County executive. And, you know, Dan felt like I still should be loyal to him. And, you know, I knew some things about Dan. I knew about his temper. I knew some other stuff that I'm not going to get into. And, you know, of course he would dispute that, but that's neither here nor there because this is not a bash Dan Bongino show. And uh, that's not what I'm going to do, but we had a run in. Um, I got really super drunk. It was the stupidest thing I've ever done. One of the stupidest things uh, at a, at a, it was an um, Anne Arundel County Lincoln Day dinner. Anyway, he was there. It was in, it was May, May 29th, 2013. And I don't know why I still remember that. Um, but I had too much to drink. I confronted Dan in the parking lot about some of the things that I was hearing. And basically um, it turned into me sort of unleashing on him and he unleashed on me. And uh, I don't know if he thought I was like going to try to fight him because I certainly wasn't. He would kill me. <laughs> Like I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't there to try to fight Dan, but um, when I, in the past, when I have um, consumed alcohol, I, I, there, I turned into a different person and it, it's just who I am. I'm not, I'm not a, uh, I'm say I, I, I used to be an angry drunk, but now I'm a happy drunk, but not that I've been drunk lately. Cause I haven't, um, I don't even know. I don't even know when the last time. Um, like, it's what happens when you really, get old, kids. And, you yeah, know. man, I don't drink. I mean, I hardly drink at all. In fact, we, I mean, we limit it to strictly almost in the house. So uh, maybe some wine here or there or some cocktails. I don't know, but we keep it inside the house. Um, so that was a really bad night in my life. Um, and then Dan told everybody, and then it got around, blah, blah, blah. Bloggers wrote about it. It was a big thing. Um and then we had this big falling out. Dan had this grudge against me. I mean, I literally confronted him. I mean, I told him all the things that I didn't like about him. I thought he was an arrogant prick. I thought that he was this and that. And then, so we sort of worked it out. Like we, we talked later that, that year um, because then I really got on his nerves when I went to work and helped David vote when he was running against Dan and he didn't like that. And then, so long story short, Dan had this grudge against me. He didn't like me. He was telling people how terrible I am, whatever. Um, so, Eric, I thought I worked it out with him. Like, I thought, okay, well, we talked it out. Like, we met. We, we saw each other a few times out and about. And, and we had a phone call that lasted for over an hour once after this whole incident. And I'm like, okay. We talked. I thought Dan and I were cool. So, but then last year I come to find out he's still trash talking me. He's telling people that, um, like, I can't be involved with Frank Howard's campaign, which was terribly run to begin with. Uh, and he just kept, like, trash talk. And I'm like, I don't know what this guy has has a problem with me. Like, Dan, I, I don't have – you live your life. You're doing your thing. You're leaving Maryland. You have this radio stuff that you're doing. You're making money. You're writing books. Why the hell are you worried about me? Like, I'm a nobody. You're just – and you, you just, like – you know, anytime anybody ever mentions my name, he sort of has like weird adverse reaction. Like he's so terrible. Ryan Miner's this, Ryan Miner's that. Like, Dan, you got to get over it. I'm, I'm over it. You're just, anyway, he went off to Florida. He moved for 
And as he said, and I'll take him at his word, Eric, that his wife has a, a serious illness and I'm nobody to, you know, to say anything, but, but it yeah. sort of got interesting. Um, when he first arrived in Florida and it was in July of 2016 or 15, I'm sorry. Um, I think he was living at the, the 18th congressional district. And then yeah, I think there was a double. It, yeah. Yeah. It was the Allen Wessel district. I believe I think it was like West Palm beach or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Palm city. That's it. Yeah. Paul, there's palms so, everywhere. I can, don't know which one. <laughs> yeah, I love Florida. I would I would live there. Um, and he he was thinking about running for Congress again, like just moving there. And you know, people's radar went up, and they probably said, you know, he's this is the textbook definition of what they call carpetbagger, where somebody that has no distinct affiliation or hasn't lived in the district for for that long decides to run for a political office. What John Rockefeller or what the Rockefeller guy did in West Virginia. Um, you know, it's what Alex Mooney Hillary, did when he moved. Alex Mooney, Hillary Clinton did it too. Yeah. In New York. I mean, he never yeah. had any connection to, to New yeah. York and she set up shop and ran and you know, the former first lady running for Senate and people felt sad for her because of all the shit that Bill Clinton put her through anyway. So Dan was looking at running for, Florida's 18th, but then there's this really great guy who, thank God, won the primary um, on August 30th named Brian Mast, and he decided to run for um, for office, uh, and he was running for Congress, a double amputee veteran, and a great story, yeah. so Dan, I think he did the right thing and backed Brian Mast, and then um, around Christmas time, I was at Nicolee Ambrose's party, and I kid you not, this is her annual Christmas party. Kim and I were standing right there. David Bossy, who is new, now Maryland's new national committee man, he beat he beat out a longtime political insider. Um, and isn't he running on the? Isn't he doing the Trump campaign stuff too now? Basically, he's the deputy campaign manager. Yeah, the Trump yeah, campaign. So he's a, he's he's up there. He's way up there. A very skilled yeah. political strategist. Um, was was the guy behind the Citizens United. Um, he works for that organization. So. David Bossie is a great guy, very long, distinguished record in politics, well-respected uh, among conservative and Republican circles. But anyway, he was at – David Bossie came to Nicolee's Christmas party that she holds um, every year. And David Bossie was – and I was standing there, and David Bossie was talking about how Dan Bongino had approached him about running for the U.S. Senate seat. Okay, this is – we're talking about – this was at the point where Rubio was still in the running for – the president, the presidential Republican nominee, and he said he wasn't going to run for re-election. And there was this guy named um, DeSantis uh, that was in the race, um, a couple other congressmen and some business people um, that were running for U.S. Senate. And David Bossie was telling people that Bongino had come to him and said, "I'm thinking about running. I have the network, and you know, I, I'm, I'm, this is just, I'm just repeating the story, so I'm paraphrasing." Um, yeah, I didn't hear the story, and, so this is all you. <laughs> yeah, so he was – and Bossy basically said, you know, you're crazy. You're going to lose. The money's on um, Ron DeSantis to, to, to win this. That was uh, the congressman from um, Florida's 6th congressional district that would, would jump in. This is a, a very smart guy, a Harvard guy um, that was a staunch conservative that could, was raising the money that – odds on favor to replace Rubio, but then we know how that goes. Rubio got out of the presidential race, 
yada, yada, yada. But Dan was considering running for, that's the unreported story, is that Dan Bongino, according to David Bossie, was going to run for the U.S. Senate race. Um, and then I don't know if, I don't know if David was the one who talked him out of not doing that or just said, you know, this is a bad idea. But he was telling the story amongst a closed circle of friends and was sort of incredulous that Dan was even considering this. And look, I'm not saying that Dan can't run for anything that he wants. That's not, you know, sticking to our consistency yeah. of libertarian philosophy. You want to run, run, do it. You know, it's, yeah, it's, that's, like, it's like Ficker can run for whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, you know? I don't care that you run. It just may not be the smart, the timing might be off. Um, yeah. so, so, and then down the, down the line, you and I, Eric, I actually reported on that, that he was going to jump into the Senate race, but then something had drastically changed apparently, and he was going to announce, I believe, in February, and then you said, no, 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 that's not going to happen, but I had five people, and I'm not kidding you, five people, including somebody that from Frederick, tell me that they were on a conference call with him and Sharon Strine and um, Maria Pica and several others that he was getting ready to run for U.S. Senate. And, am, am I right, Eric? No, you're, you're right. And and if you remember, the article that, that quashed all that was one that yeah. I wrote because I was on That's that right. phone call. Okay, mm -hmm. I, was, I was on that call. Yeah. And so apparently something changed uh, in the, over the next few days. Honestly, I don't know what it was. I have – I have no idea. I would, I would love to know. It'd be a birdie on the wall for that conversation. But uh, you know, my, my guess. I mean, if I had to, the, the logical assumption here is that there he thought he said he was going to run, and then somebody told him don't run, and whoever that was that said don't run, he listened to. It might have been Sharon. <laughs> Who or knows? Maybe not. I don't know. Who knows? I, I have absolutely no idea. Like, you know, I, you know, when, if somebody needs my advice, they'll call me. That's, that's sure. the way that I think about it. They'll call me or they email me. I didn't right. like, you know, it, I didn't, I didn't give them advice, like say, well, you should run here because the numbers say this or that or whatever, you know, like I'm, it's, and let's be honest, that's not even really my strong suit. Like, you know, if he needed well, to, like, build a new computer, like, I could do that in my sleep. So, honestly, that's what half the candidates call me for anyways. Like, hey, so uh, my computer's broke. How do I fix this? Um, and, <laughs> which I'm and, okay with. <laughs> exactly. And Dan Mangino has no shortage of supporters that would have backed him, given him money. Um, he raised a lot of small dollar donations and past and current campaigns. And we all knew that he would have posed a formidable challenge, but yeah. it was, but what I was thinking and why I was, I guess, skeptical that how could someone that has lived in Florida for less than a year be able to set up shop without, without people believing the narrative that he moved for, uh, not for uh, family reasons, but for political reasons. I mean, that was yeah. something that he was going to have to work hard to dispel. And I think a lot of people said, well, you know, what's the reason here? And, you know, and Dan reacted the way that he did, and we'll get to the phone call in a minute, but, um, you know, I know that it's personal. I know it's sensitive. He deeply loves his family. I spent many, many hours with Dan Bongino in the driver's, literally in the driver's seat of his car, um, his SUV, and we had a lot of deep conversations that I will never repeat because that's not the kind of person that I am, but I know that he has a lot of love for his family and it was, a, you know, you can tell he's passionate about it, but 
Then he decided that he was going to run, I guess, later on in a district that he wasn't even registered to vote in, that he didn't even live in. I mean, he lived like across the coast on, I mean, he was running um, uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a, you know, the, the Naples area and Florida's 19th congressional district against a very well-funded, like multi-billionaire, a guy by the name of Francis Rooney, and another guy who was, who was the son of a former CIA director and, Cong- and longtime Florida congressman, Porter Goss, and, and Chauncey Goss, that was, was yeah. one of Dan's uh, opponents. But Dan got into this race, and he was an outsider, and he tried to run that anti-Washington campaign. But Eric... I've read his tweets. I've seen his postings. Something's happened. Like, he's changed. I don't know what it is. Like, he's just like this ultra, I don't want to say angry because, you know, he sounds angry, but that might not be the real, like, I know this guy. You know this guy. Something has changed in him. I feel like that he's gone after the media. He's, He's, like, going after these issues that you and I would think, like, dude, you have so many other great issues to go after. You're brilliant on economics. You, you can articulate conservatism and, and some of the libertarian stuff better than most people can. You got the backing of Ted Cruz, Mike Lee, Rand Paul, guys that you and I really admire in the Senate. Um, but well, and I'm so, reading and, his and stuff. He, he does have a solid like national – support base. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Actually, I have, my family, you know, lives in California and I know people in, in California that donated to him. My, my parents know people who heard him on the radio and became huge fans. Okay. Yeah. So like, I mean, and this is Salinas, California. This is not exactly like, you know, a conservative bastion. This isn't Orange County or anything, you know, but so he, <laughs> he does have that sort of like that broad reach and support and message. And yeah, I don't, you know, I've been, I've been like, avoiding this conversation every chance that I, I have. I know, and I don't like mean every to Every time I go on WFMD, you know, I, I don't... Dan's always gone after the media, okay? And I think, I, I love it when he does, okay? Dan's always... It, Dan will always have a much more aggressive, in-your-face campaign style. I don't oh, know yeah. what happened. Okay, like, and, and you know, I'm, I'm the last person, I'm not going to complain about somebody cursing, okay, like, no. at, at all, okay, I'm not going to complain about somebody cursing, I'm not going to complain about somebody pointing out media bias, okay, I think it's yeah. actually good, I think it needs to happen, okay, I think that a, a legit conversation does need to, have, need to happen about the liberal media and how it runs the narrative of the country and changes the facts to suit their needs, you know, like, the most egregious to me was uh, Candy Crowley at the 2012 debate oh, yeah. when, Mitt, when, Mitt, when she decided to interject herself and fact check Mitt Romney. Okay. Like that's the sort of, you know, that's the sort of bullshit that we're dealing with on a, on a regular yeah. basis here. Now that phone call was not the way to do it though. Okay. And <laughs> in, in that manner, there's, there's much better ways of doing it. There's much better ways of going about it. And I, I mean, it, maybe it was a, a last desperate act. Maybe it was, a, you know, maybe it was a calculated move. Maybe he just, you know, everybody has their breaking point. You know, there's, and trust me, there's, there are things that, you know, there's things that that flyer that got sent out about me that if they had said, I would have gone off the hinges worse than Dan. Okay. And <laughs> like, and, uh, and to just to be honest, everybody has their breaking point. Maybe this was his, you know. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that he's a terrible guy because of it. No, he's okay. not. But it's not the I, Dan Bongino I, that I know. No, I and and that's that's what makes. 
I, I mean, I don't know what happened. I, I really hope I feel, whatever happened, I really hope it gets fixed. It's he, There's so much talent that he, he could use, and, and, and people have told me the same thing because um, it's just it's a perception that I look at it like, Dan, you have so much talent that you can unleash and do it in a positive way. And I know recently he said that he's done with electoral politics. Now, and this is just my opinion, but I surmise that he'll run again. And uh, it may not be in the next couple of cycles, but I think he'll run again. Um, no, no, I, I'm sure I'm sure he will. I mean, you know, and if it was – don't get me wrong. You know, if it was me, I wouldn't have ran in 2016. Like I would have moved. I would have hung out for a few years, done my radio thing, you know, like yeah. kind of got grained a little bit, you know. He's making money. Four years I mean, he's, and he's, he's making some money. He wrote some books, and he feels he fills in for for Hannity and does you know his conservative review and Mark Levin and I read some of his stuff and I agree with some of it and yeah. some I don't, but I don't like the way that how he just attacks anybody who questions in him and then, you know, blocking people on Twitter. That's not okay. I mean, so people disagree. They call you out, whatever. I mean, and, and quite frankly, the reporter, we're not saying that that was spectacular journalism, but Dan, you no, that, was, that, was, that was, no, that, calling that journalism is an insult to journalism. Okay. So, like Cronkite's yeah. rolling over in his grave when you call that freaking journalism. Okay. What that but, was, that was just, that was shit is what it was. Okay. It wasn't, I mean, but again, see there's, so there's, there are two halves of this. It was crappy journalism and it was a crappy response. Yeah. And, and, and like I would, I would have ended the conversation 18 minutes before it actually did. I would have just said, you know, I've said what I had to say. I don't have any other comment. Have a great night. Hung up the phone, mm-hmm. you know, and if the journalist, he could have written while well, Dan Gino hung up on me, but that's all he could have written. And that would have been the end. And yep. now I've seen that video. I've, I've looked at the, the YouTube count. It's been shared thousands of times, and it's reached almost three 300,000 hits. That's a lot. That's yeah. a lot. But you, what you, this is what you got to remember, Ryan, okay, is a video like that, if somebody supports Dan, all that's going to do is solidify their support for him. Okay, it's the same thing as the Trump phenomenon. Everybody mm-hmm. thought the more ridiculous stuff Trump said, that the less support he would get. But he kept saying it and people were like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I want to hear. People don't like the media. And so when a candidate attacks the media, even in that manner, they're cheering them on. And that's, that's, that's the damage that the media bias has done in this country is now people like it when the media gets called out for being unfair. Uh, I agree. The people who weren't going to vote for him, that phone call didn't change anything. Okay. The people that weren't going to vote, they just used that as another excuse to not vote for him, you know, but that's what it comes down to is, is really stuff like that just polarizes. It doesn't sway the needle of support one way or another. It only solidifies existing support or solidifies non-existing support. Well, I think, you know, I don't think that when Dan jumped in, I don't think that he ever, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think the numbers were there. He was up against a strong opponent. Um, And nobody, you know, he didn't, he wasn't really known. He's, you know, these guys go to, you know, these guys are people that are part of the community. They, they pay taxes there. Mm -hmm. They show up to the, every chicken dinner. They go to all the rotary stuff. They go to the Kiwanis clubs. They, they, you know, they're at the golf courses. They're, 
you know, and I don't want to call yeah. them establishment, but you know what I'm saying? But they're just yeah, they're, 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 they're known they're, by the community, you know, and and let, and you know sometimes sometimes the only winning move is not to play, mm-hmm. and in this race the only winning move for Dan would have been to not play, not this year, you know. So wait two years, wh- wait four years, see what happens. Well, that's what I was thinking. Like Dan, if he went up and set up shop down in uh, Florida, and, and and by that I mean get to know the people, get to know uh, get to know the community, show up to all those dinners and Republican club events and do, do some writing, send some op-eds into the local newspaper, go out and shake hands and, and show up to the, 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 the markets and uh, just get to know the people like he did up in Western Maryland for a year. Right. You know, he went up and um, people knew him from his Senate race. And then he was at everything in Western Maryland, like everywhere he would go. That's why he came so close to beating John Delaney. But Mm -hmm. Dan, I don't know what something unspooled in him and, and he, he, he reached his breaking point. And I think you hear that in the, in the phone call that was reflected. Um, and you, like you said, he, uh, he, he, I guess he made a mistake. I wish him the best. I hope that he finds success. Yeah. I know he will because he's a smart guy. And uh, I, I think that uh, I just hope that he, I don't know. I see some of the stuff though on his Twitter. Like he's, I don't want him to fall into that alternative right stuff. The alt right. Yeah, I yeah I. Have you seen it? <laughs> I've seen it, and I just haven't wanted to say it. I mean, no, but uh, yeah, right, I won't it, put it, you it, in that it, position. It's a, no, it's it's inevitable. Unfortunately, I think that a good chunk of the Republican Party is going to fall into this whole alt right nonsense, and uh, I don't think there's uh, the only way back from it is uh, Dr. Ron Paul. <laughs> yeah. Or Dr. Rand Paul. I mean, let's, well, let's just be honest. That's that's where the whole party's going, and uh, mm-hmm. so pretty much, uh, you know, Libertarian Party. Yeah. So, so I mean, that's all we'll say about uh, Dan. Let's, uh, yeah, let's let's come back north because we got a lot of stuff um, up okay. in uh, in your former stomping grounds to talk about. Yeah. So uh, the uh, Washington County Board of Education does not like you. At least three of their members no. don't. No, they don't like me. So um, it turns out uh, um, you did some digging a while ago about on uh, one of those members who con who uh, had some contracts that were undeclared. So uh, let's uh, you know g- give us the, give the two minute summary of what happened. Well, back in um, uh, last last late last summer, early last fall, um, I was looking over some Mike Esford's who's who ran against me in the Board of Education race in 2014. He won, in fact, he came out on top. Um, and back then I knew he was a shady guy. And I tried to tell everybody, but they didn't listen. Um, so <laughs> he, he, all board members are required to fill out ethical disclosure forms, meaning they have to list any conflicts of interest, whether they have any contracts with the Board of Education. Um, and that is pretty invasive. And it, it, it requires you to really hunker down and tell the truth. Now, um, I, I had been digging a long time on Mike Gasford because there's just so much out there. And I looked at his ethics disclosure forms and I said, this is not right. There are so many oversights. I know about his deals. I know about his business associations. And I know how, um, how he operates. I know how he cuts corners. And this guy is, this guy is the king of cutting corners. Um, and he's like this kind of, this all shucks, good old boy. He's not the brightest guy in the, in the, in the, in the shed. Um, he's not a deep thinker. He can, uh, you know, he tough writing. 
uh, and he doesn't always come across as the most intelligent person, but maybe he has a passion to help children and to improve the school system. So I said, uh, what the heck? But I've been following him for a while. Anyway, I noticed that there was some serious, serious oversight in his, in his ethics disclosure forms. And so I checked it out, looked at all the information, dug it up, um, put it down on paper, um, made an outline, and figured out that um, he was still doing business with the school system. Uh, he was still, um, he, he failed to disclose his partnership with a guy by the name of Milton Stamper. Because as you know, Mike is involved, um, his current job is with the Washington County Commission on Aging, but before so, um, he owned a restaurant in town called Always Ron's, and uh, he, and that, I don't know, he sold it or something's going on with that, but he no longer has Always Ron's, and uh, now he, he also works with this company called Applause Catering, and, and look, these, they had contracts before the board. He was signing checks, Eric, that were going out after he became a board member, that and bringing food to, I mean, he was bringing food to Washington County Public Schools, and he apparently thought that this wasn't a conflict. So I turned all this information over. So, so he was not. So he he was basically he was writing a taxpayer check to his own bank account. That's what yeah, you're saying. Basically, I mean that's okay. that that's another way to put it. But yes, you're right. That's correct. So, Eric, I turned over all the information. <laughs> not only to the school systems, you know, I filed an ethics, um, an ethics complaint, and then an attorney got back to me and figured out, okay, you know, here's how, here's the proper format to do it. And he sent me a letter back in November of last year Then I also turned all the, I turned every bit and piece of information that I had dug up to the Herald Mail. And I said, take a look at this. I went in, met with the editor and, you know, he's – the editor is an, a, a really smart and fair journalist, and he said, okay, I'll take a look at it, see where it goes, you know, see if, this, if there's any sort of validity to um, what you've uncovered or, you know, whether this is just a – you know, you're, you're stalking up a partisan witch hunt, and I'm thinking, no, this is – you know, I don't necessarily care for him, but I know what ethics are, and I know that what what I see is incorrect. So – well, so, uh, just for, for reference, uh, is he a Republican or a Democrat? Uh, Mike Gessford is a Republican. Okay, okay, continue. And, and incidentally, I should say I'm also a registered Republican. Because um, so, if you're being accused of it being a partisan issue, then uh, you know, wouldn't it be the other way around? Would it be a, yeah, exactly. Would it, would it not be the other way around? So I turned over this information, and I – didn't hear anything for months, months, months. And I still didn't hear anything for months. And then um, I always check to see um, whether or not, you know, I always look at the school systems, um, their, their agenda, board docs, because I'm just thinking something has had to happen. Like, and, you know, and the ethics of panel investigates this kind of stuff. And so they have an independent five member ethics board. They're not paid the school system um, you know, this is just part of a committee that people volunteer to sit on, and their reputations in the community are are, are very strong. Um, they're they have, I mean, they're they're above reproach. I mean, and that's that's great because they're 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 they're, they're important people in the community that are 
ethical. <laughs> so um, this independent panel, I mean, I looked at this thing last week and said, what is this order 01-2016? And then I, I knew in the back of my mind, I knew what it was, Eric. And I put this blog piece out. I had a feeling and I didn't get, you know, I'm not being fed. In for, it was accused me of like being fed all this insider <laughs> crap, right? And I'm like, no, they're not telling me stuff. They're not, uh, oh, you know. Yeah, look, it's like if you're a Jedi and you hear execute order 66 over the radio and all the stormtroopers look at you, you know, like there's something going on. Like, right. you don't they're, need to be a genius to figure out what that means. You know, they're not secretly, you know, I don't have an earpiece on during their closed sessions. I, I can just figure this stuff out on my own accord because, Eric, that's what we do. We figure stuff out. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> we Ain't investigate things. No. And so <laughs> I sort of had a clue. I'm like, okay, I think I know this could be it, right? I mean, nobody knows what this is. Um, I sort of gave up on it. And then come to find out. Uh, on Tuesday, it's exactly as uh, as I as I thought it might be. Um, it was an ethics it was an ethics opinion and order. The ethics independent ethics panel passes down an opinion, and then the board votes on it. And Mike Gessler wasn't even there. He was in Ocean City eating Boardwalk French fries and dill roller pancakes uh, on Tuesday. I mean, this is a guy that hasn't that doesn't even have the audacity to show up to the event itself, uh, to the board meeting, um, when he's going to be slammed with an ethics violation. And so the saying, board he's he's kind of like Edward Snowden, you know, like can't, can't face the music. Well, I guess in a way, although I, I much more admire Edward Snowden than I do Mike Gasford. Um, yeah, but the Republicans always complain about, you know, Edward Snowden not coming home to face the music. So, you know, here's one of their own that just did the same thing in Washington County. And, uh, you yeah, know. so – Gasford knew that this was going to happen, and Karen Harshman, his buddy, our buddy, right, Eric? <laughs> My buddy. Well, um, I think she likes you a lot more than she likes me. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> she wasn't there either, and it was a four-to-one decision. Four of the board members voted to support the opinion, and then, um, you know, that would support kind of the punitive action, which he's going to be privately censured by the board president. He's going to be required to pay back the money that he owes. And, you know, he's warned that if this happens again, he's, this is grounds for his removal. And it's sort of an unprecedented opinion that it, 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 I could understand it if it was just one issue, but it was several, Eric. It was a multitude of ethical issues. He failed to file a, um, an ethics disclosure form that was thoroughly complete in 2015 and then his 2014 and 2013 um, ethics disclosure forms just had so many oversights and um, they, they had missing information, withheld information um, about his associations. And the ethics panel, look, a nonpartisan, independent group of people took a look at the facts that were presented and decided that, yes, there was an ethical issue, that he violated the regulations set forth by board policy, and they made it public, and the newspa newspaper covered it, I covered it, and um, you know, he's, he's been out of sight, won't return phone calls. But then it's interesting, yesterday, Eric, he showed up to the opening of the Washington County Republican GOP headquarters, was seen smiling and yucking it up, cutting the ribbon. I mean – the balls on this guy, the, the, the just the sheer gumption of this guy that can show up to these meetings well, 
Well, that's what surprised me, Ryan. Look at look at how 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 uh, Washington County Republicans are just overall. I mean, yeah. you want to talk about like 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 blood oath to the party. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, like so he's a registered Republican. Honestly, he. I mean, you know, from what I've been gathering, I mean, like you know, the Republicans in Washington County they're supporting Board of Ed candidates that are for Common Core that support you know park testing that support a bunch yeah. of this madness that are not. That are that are in direct contradiction contradiction to Republican values, and they don't bat an eye about it. I mean, it's like I don't know what's in the water up there, but whatever it is, I mean, it's like you know, fall in line or be you know publicly flogged. Yeah, and and that's why they never cared much for me. But it's interesting that they were seen warmly warmly embracing Mike Esford yesterday, and I mean, Mike Esford, you just got found guilty of a severe ethical issue and you're showing up, you can't show up to, to the board meeting to do your job, which taxpayers and voters elected you to do. However, you show up to a partisan event for the cameras and you're seen yucking it up among the party establishment up there. Mike, that, that just to me says, this guy is unserious. He doesn't get it. And I've asked him several times to resign. And of course I, I have no response, but I think after this issue, what? You know what it tells me, Ryan, personally, okay? The same people that are supporting Trump and say that, you know, Hillary Clinton, you know, let a child rapist off and broke all these laws are the same ones who are now supporting Mike Gessford. Oh, they're the same exact people. The exact same people that will that will froth at the mouth to defend Trump are the ones who will also froth at the mouth to defend Gessford. So, I mean, it, yep. again, it's, it's just something wrong with that county. That's well, right. it's 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 uh it's a nice place to raise a family, but their politics they are entrenched. I mean, if you are not in, you're out. And if you don't if you don't have the insider baseball, and if they don't you know you don't follow them march in you know, a locked step and barrel, then you are out. Eric, you experienced it. You went to one of their Republican Central Committee meetings, and they sort of gave you a hassle. Oh yeah, they're. I mean, basically, it's like they had so many important things to talk about. They couldn't spend like five minutes to talk about the, about like starting a, a young Republican chapter. I mean, they're like, you know, when you compare that to like Allegheny, like I drove out to Cumberland for one of their central committee meetings and I sat there the whole time, like, you know, just chatting with them, talking to them. They were actually like nice and inviting. Like you show up to Washington County, like I didn't, I didn't even, like they were hidden in a back room, like this public meeting, like, I'm making air quotes with my hands, like in some back room of a restaurant, I didn't even realize where the hell it was. Like, mm-hmm. so I'm like looking around, I don't see any of them out there. And it's like, and then like, when you, when you go to knock on the, when you like knock on the door and like walk in, they like crack the door and like stick their eye out. It's like, it's like knocking on a hoarder's door or something like, yeah. you know, I mean, I don't and and it, honestly, you know, they're just look. They can they can be as crazy as they want, as far as I'm concerned. See, I I don't I don't live there, so I don't have to deal with the madness. Like mm-hmm. our central committee, our central committee, at least uh, about ten months ago, got a hundred times better than theirs is. Yeah, it did. But you know, to to wrap up the ethics issues with Gasford, uh, I expect him to remain on the board. I don't think he's going to resign. I think he should resign. I think he should do the right thing and own up to it. Uh, he said in the newspaper that he disagrees with the opinion 
but he has 30 days to appeal it. I don't think he's going to, I don't know if he's going to, he may, he may, he may already be working on this appeal, but, um, you know, in Karen Harshman already was speaking out to the newspapers, you know, saying that it's, it's a terrible thing oh, that Ryan, you just had to say her name. Now she's going to yeah. take you to court again. Okay. Jeez. Oh, yeah. She, I, she I, has, let, let me join into Karen Harshman. If you say it three times, she attacks you in a mirror and then it's like <laughs> saying, yeah, yeah, I don't know. That would be a, a sight to see, but she but, is, but, um, yeah, I, yeah. I, both Karen Harshman and my guests were up for election in 2018, right? Yeah. You know, I know there's a couple of, uh, you know, libertarian leaning, uh, folks out there in Washington County, quite frankly, those are the type of people that need to like lose in 2018 and somebody needs to start finding a candidate now because I mean, I don't even live there, but I can just like tell, like I can just, I can just go to their Facebook page and see how absolutely horrendous they are. <laughs> it's, it's true. I mean, Karen Harshman, who is just, she's just lost out there. I mean, her, she's, she hates <laughs> me with a vengeance and she's just, not a nice person, but, uh, you know, with Mike, he, he clearly messed up and either he's ignorant of the ethics regulations, but he had Karen Harshman and Melissa Williams, who is also a board of education member and a current candidate for reelection. They're two of his closest allies. They're part of that minority slate. Wouldn't you think that he would have walked over and said, Hey, this is the first time I'm filling this thing out. Um, this is the most tangible thing that they could ever come after me with, right? You know, the public or whatnot, you know, ethics disclosure forms where they're all um, subject to being uh, uh, to an MPIA request. And, mm -hmm. you know, you would think, wouldn't you want them to help you? Um, well, has, <laughs> has, has Guestford ever held elected office before being on the board of education? No, this is his first time. Okay, so so he really just might be that dumb. Um, he might I, be. Just to be fair, um, but you know, like this is. I mean, look, if you if you are not informed enough to know that you have to file like basically you know ethical disclosures when you're in elected office, then you have no business being in elected office. Period. Like well, that concerns the me whole because he has he is in charge of a. He has, a, I don't want to say complete authority, but he has voting power to make financial decisions on behalf of thousands of people that utilize a $300 million operating budget. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and hopefully the voters of Washington County will realize that if somebody isn't informed enough to go and like, you know, I mean, heck, we could probably time it, okay? There is no way um, that this is hard to find in Maryland, okay? Look, campaign finance reporting, Maryland. Yep. Okay. Oh, look, hey, there's a campaign finance site for, run by the Maryland State Board of Elections. You know what? Right. That probably tells me something about what I might need to know. Okay. Like, at least there's your start. Hey, look, there's a phone call. Okay. The woman's name is Vicki Molina. You can call her at 410-269-2874. And she can teach you how to do all of this stuff. So this is for everybody up there in Washington County. Okay. I mean, when you ran for office, you had to disclose this kind of stuff. So after you hold office, you also have to disclose this sort of stuff. Sure. It took, how long did that take me? What was that? Like yeah. 45 seconds? I had to do it as a candidate and Mike couldn't even, 
file the right disclosure form as a candidate. I mean, mine mine wasn't very that wasn't that long because I don't have any violation of interest, Eric. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, like when I filled mine out, it was like it was some random stuff. Like I didn't I didn't get some of the fi- the filings. Like it was like, do you owe any money to BB and T? And I was like, well, I have a car loan there. Got to put it on there. You know. Well, like, you know what I did with me when I had when I filed mine, I. Um, I met with a, a private attorney and I said, hey, help me fi- file this thing so I don't do anything illegal. Because God only knows that um, that would be just one more thing that, that Washington County com- could come after me on. And they came after me on like so much stuff that I thought was, you know, maybe unfair, but who knows. Um, but anyway, Mike, if you're, you're not listening, but. <laughs> no, no, there, no. Come on, Ryan. You know just as well as I do that they're listening now or later. No, but they're listening no. because they're gluttons for punishment. Yeah. Remember, Hagerstown is our most red city. Like 30% yeah, of again. our traffic comes from Hagerstown. Okay? So all of the people in Hagerstown that complain about you constantly are the ones who read all of our stuff. I mean, the analytics don't lie. So it's like you can prevent us from posting in your Facebook groups, but you're going to go and read the damn article anyways. Yeah, they, they do prevent me from posting in, in Facebook groups, but that's, uh, that's, that's that. But, Mike, um, do the right thing. Resign. Let, let the process unfold. We can get another more ethical member of the community on the board and, you know, you can go out and make money. So um, with that, we have about uh, 23 minutes. Let's see. Do we want to talk about elections, term limits, political races? What do you want to talk about, Eric? Uh, let's, let's talk about term limits very briefly because I think you and uh, I disagree on this issue. No, we're not going to talk about the, the jack wagon that is running around collecting yeah. signatures. Okay, because he's, uh, you know, like, I mean, the only thing that he really needs is like uh, his five fingers in his face. Um, but, uh, so we're not going to mention him. Okay, but let's talk about actually the actual idea of term limits in Montgomery sure. County. Okay, because I'm totally in favor of term limits. I think term limits are great. I think that they should be implemented at every level of government, whether it's county, state, or federal. And I think that it should be that they should be put as a constitutional amendment that is added to the U.S. Constitution, so that we can prevent this sort of career politician that we have with, you know, the Beer Brothers, Speaker Miller, and uh, yeah, Miller and Bush, and people like Joe Biden, and all of these these gerrymandered, entrenched districts where, honestly, it's politicians get anointed; they don't actually get elected. Well. I mean, I think that in my opinion that I, – I don't think that you're wrong in that how politicians get entrenched. But my concern is is that um, at the municipal level, if we prevent people from democratically voting for whomever they wish by um, – but then eliminating people um, using arbitrary term limits to stop them from voting from candidates, um, that's a concern. But then again, I, I see both sides. I guess what I'm trying to look for is data, like – where data um, on the large scale um, or even at the, the micro level of local government, governments who have term limits, um, you know, okay, maybe like Virginia. You know, Virginia governors are only allowed to run for one term. Um, does that really push through the sludge of bureaucracy? 
Um, I don't know. I just don't, I don't, I don't have enough to really make that decision whether or not I'm in support or, or don't support it. But I see your point well, there. Okay, one term is is a little different, okay, because mm-hmm. then it means whoever gets elected – so for in Virginia, okay, whoever's elected governor of Virginia, they don't have to worry about running for re-election. Right. So that's why McAwful can get away with, you know, like, you know, com- basically giving away a bunch of, you know, gubernatorial pardons and all this stuff because he's not accountable. Okay, he's not accountable to the voters because he doesn't have to worry about a second term. So it's kind of, you know, that. So I'm not okay with one term limit. Okay, but when you have people that have literally, think about this, Ryan. There's people that have been elected in Annapolis for longer than you and I have been alive. All right. There's literally people that were elected when Empire Strikes Back came out. that are still in office and holding on to office, and they will never let go. Again, and, and they, they will never lose because of gerrymandering. But I think that if – because we're obviously not making progress on gerrymandering. That's not going to change until 2020, assuming that Hogan gets reelected. Okay. Right. Now – Term limits, I think, is a great way to start down that path of actually having fair and, and contested elections for once. I mean, you know, we we're, were talking about Florida earlier. You know, when I was looking at the Florida returns. Did you notice that like half of those congressional races, they didn't, e- there weren't even opponents in those in those in the districts. I mean, whoever wins the primary goes through. There were districts that there was one Republican running in the primary and no Democrats running in the primary. So it's like you're literally just anointing the guy. Okay, I mean, that's not the way that this is supposed to work. Okay, and so I think that, you know, term limits is just one aspect of reforming just campaigns in mass. But I think it's an important aspect that we need to have. Not one term, like, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the year limit. Okay, so say, for example, um, you, you pass a law in Maryland that states that you can be elected to office in Annapolis for 12 years total. Right. And that's it. Okay. Because then you could be you could be a, a delegate for four years, you could be a state senator for four years, and you could be governor for four years. So it gives you plenty of time to do something down there. You can still be elected. You can go to your little cocktail parties and hang out with the YRs or whatever. Okay. But the thing is is that then after your twelve years is up, move the hell on. Okay. Get the hell out, go do something else. Maybe like Earn money and don't live off the. Don't get your salary from the taxpayers. Like, there's a crazy yeah. idea. Okay, but I think it's it's a start. Okay, if anything, it's a political maneuver as well. Okay, because we all know Montgomery County. When's the last time Montgomery County had an elected Republican? Um, elected. Well, there is Tommy Rodriguez, who's an elected Republican. Okay, how about an elected Republican in a partisan race? Mm, I should say. Okay. Yes, you are. You you are right. Okay, you are right. He and I, he's a he's a, he's a Republican and he's elected. He's elected in uh, what, uh, Kensington, is it? Yeah, Kensington. Yeah. And so okay, so yeah. Well, that's a nonpartisan race as well. Okay, something like the Montgomery County Council, Montgomery County Executive, state delegates, state senators. All of those are Democrats. They've been Democrats as long as um, I don't even know when the last one was elected. That was a Republican. I, I so have to, I have to brush up on my Montgomery County electoral history, but yeah. um, I remember Connie Morella, who was elected down in Montgomery County, um, a Republican, but she's a sort of a moderate Republican, and you have to be somewhat of a moderate Republican to get elected here in Montgomery County. Yeah. Um, we haven't 
The problem that Montgomery County has is that the Republicans here are part of the alt-right movement, and they elect Republicans that are unelectable. You know, well, when they go into <laughs> – Look, when, that's being when, nice, when, okay? They're well, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean they, they put up Republicans and support them, and you talk about a click. Well, I tell you what. The Montgomery County Republican Central Committee has some great people on it. I mean – Jeff, who is a good friend, Alero, who we both really like, um, Mike Higgs. I, I admire Mike Higgs. He has a tough job. I think he's done a great job, and uh, I think that he's he's done a really great job. But there are people in the Montgomery County Republican Central Committee that are just like uh, worse than worse than Washington County. It's a clique. It's a club, and yeah. they do not like outsiders. They put up goofy candidates. And people like Robin Ficker, who – and they, they actively and openly support him, and they put up people for county council races that say crazy things. Now, they put up some delegates. Um, look, you know, Frank Howard, for example, when he ran in 2014 um, in District 16 as a state senate race, um, he ran a good campaign. In fact, he got the most votes any Republican got in Montgomery County that year on the state side, um, 16,399 votes. And he ran a decent campaign. But, I mean, I see your point. It's hard. But here's my issue, Eric. Putting Robin Ficker in charge of the initiative, come on. Well, yeah, I mean, that, it'd, be like, <laughs> it'd be like putting D.B. Cooper in charge of investigating Hillary Clinton. I mean, yeah. or, you know, Edward Snowden leads the investigation. I mean, it yeah, doesn't it's like work putting, that way. It's like putting Mike Gessford as the head of the ethics panel. Um, yeah, me, or the, the ethics panel liaison. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, the, the ethics. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a terrible idea. See, it's, it's, as far as strategy goes, they don't have much down there in Montgomery County, so I'm not shocked that they, that, you know, that guy is running this ballot initiative. Okay, there's a hundred better people I could think of. We just named some of them for crying out loud. Yeah. Okay, I mean, why can't they be the ones that head up this? You know, why can't Anomaly. somebody else take charge of it. You know, you've got, I mean, there, there are so much better ways of going about it, you know, but he, here's the other thing. If it does happen to pass, what is it? Is it like nine out of 13 of the uh, county council people won't be able to run for reelection? No, no, there's, there's nine county councilmen and I think okay. either four or five. And in fact, one of the county councilmen, Nancy Navarro, um, basically accused Ficker of racism for, because she's like the first Hispanic woman or something. I don't know. It was something I sort of had to, to look at and, and, and ask questions, but um, I don't – You want to turn you know, look figure, racist. Figures a lot of things, but, I mean, God, I hate giving him any sort of credit, but I don't think he's a racist. No, no, I don't think he's a racist. I think he's just a moron. Um, like, I mean – no, he's yeah, but he you know he's definitely not. That's that's just absurd. That, there's your left wing, like you know, if you don't if you disagree with this, you know, progressive socialism, you're racist or something, you know. But hey, I mean, see, people like her have been able to operate and say whatever the hell it is that they want for so many years down in Montgomery County. Okay, it's a it's a fiefdom essentially, and so like, yeah. I, I I would it would be great. If this passed, I mean, you know, look, let's be fair, you know, the, the whole property tax thing was put to referendum and people voted for it. You know, the people there did vote for it. So, like, I would love to see this actually pass. Okay. okay. Maybe one Republican can get elected there. 
Okay. Yeah. Just one. Look, if I was the if I was the chief strategist of the Montgomery County like Republican Central Committee, I would find the district that had the most I would put every dime into one single county council race. Okay, yeah. I wouldn't even put challengers up in the other ones. I would focus 100% on that county council race. You figure what? Um, with nine council members, they're all divided. They're divided up into districts, right? Nine districts. Mm-hmm. Well, some are. Right, so there's districts, but then there's at large. Okay, so but you're talking maybe twenty, thirty thousand houses at most in right. one of those districts. Okay, mm-hmm. so wow. you can. Look, the entire, I know, I've seen how many people are involved with the Montgomery County GOP, all right? If every one of those people went out there and knocked on 500 doors, you'd cover that entire county council district twice, all right? So there's no excuse. Step away from the cocktail party, go do some actual campaigning, get some people elected. Yeah. All right, we'll move on. So that's our spiel. We'll talk more about term limits because we're going to follow it into – the general election and we're going to do this every Sunday and, and talk more, but um, okay. Elections. Let's uh, we'll talk about. Um, so Ami Hober, uh, John Delaney, um, she's getting out and about. Uh, she's, you know, she's doing the, the requisite work. Um, I don't know. There's, you know, Delaney's know. actually coming to Brunswick next weekend. Is he? Apparently he's having a he apparently he's having a picnic. Are you gonna go? <laughs> I was actually thinking about it. You should go. My, you can get I a think, recording. I was thinking about actually taking my dog down there and because uh, it's at like a park, so I was actually about thinking using my dog as a uh, as cover and uh, they seeing threw what me I can out pick of your up campaign on. office. Oh come on, right? Look, there's there's plenty of things criticized Delaney on, but let's just be fair. I've kicked Delaney staffers out of Bongino offices before. So oh like, really. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's. I it doesn't surprise me, you know. Mm. They don't want to have to like, because if you overhear something, you know, you're gonna post. It, we're gonna post it on our blog. So, but hey, you know, the lady's doing something at a public park, so uh, you know, I'll just uh, cruise on down there with my puppy. And uh, you know, there's a there's a pretty solid socialist progressive contingent here in Brunswick, um, so I look forward to seeing all of them there. I think it's. I think Ami is. Um, she's running a solid race, and uh, I'm just concerned that. I'm just concerned that it's it's. Delaney is. He's he's doing a lot this year, and I mean, and uh, he's been in, in Montgomery County, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. I I, I think it's going to be a tough race. I mean, I I want her to win, um, because she's the most qualified. Um, and I think that, you know, Delaney has a lot of money. I mean, and so does Ami. But um, yeah. my concern is is that they're, they're just not doing enough in Montgomery County. And I might be wrong, but that's just my concern. Yeah, well, the, the, it's, it's about 35 percent in Montgomery County. Yeah. That's, that's what a Republican really needs to win in the 6th District. Um, because because of how overwhelmingly Republican the rest of the counties are, okay, that's all about get on the vote. But let's be honest, this is you know, let's be honest. Like, there's a ton of people that are coming out, you know, or the, like hoorah Trump kind of thing, all right. And so I don't think turnout's going to be a problem in Western Maryland. No, I think you're going to no, see and- some pretty stunning ton- turnout in in you know in a uh, in Garrett Allegheny and uh, Washington County. Yeah, and so working. I think that 35% might be more like 32% that you need in Montgomery County. Yeah. And, and I know they're, they're working. She's out everywhere. She's getting, 
she's meeting people. She's going to all the events and doing uh, the things that she's supposed to be doing as a candidate, raising money, holding fundraisers. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I think she's going to get a big endorsement sometime soon from governor Hogan. And, and that's a good thing. I don't know if, it's on her it's on the signs oh yeah well i, I mean like an official kind of like whether oh yeah yeah i i i they're they're has they're not just going to put endorsed by hogan signs on all of her big four by eights and then not do some big like sh- shindig okay like there's there's going to be something coming hopefully one of yeah. us can make it yeah yeah so well you know, we've talked a lot about politics tonight, Eric, but I wanted to spend the, the last eight or minutes sort of reflecting on this date, and uh, it's an important, significant date in our country's history, and and one that, you know, you, that affects both of us, um, September the 11th, I mean, I wrote a story this morning about where I was and um, what had happened on, on that day for me and what it was like, and, uh, you know, I'm just... I watched the um, the remembrance ceremony this morning. It was very emotional. I, I watch it every year, and it, it makes me reminisce back to that day and that horrible day. And I was I was a 15 year old kid in in high school in a geometry class when everything you know when the first plane hit, and then we watched I watched the tower crumble in real time on television and didn't understand it and what it meant and what this meant for our country, but, you know, you were, you and many others, Eric, were one of the people who said, um, well, I'm going to go do, you know, I'm going to actually go change something. And you, uh, you joined the military. Yeah. So, uh, so I haven't really talked about this before, but, uh, if you, uh, if you go back and look at some timelines of my life, it'll make a little more sense. Um, I was in Mexico when 9-11 happened. Um, so I wasn't even in the U S I was at that, uh, that, shitty boarding school and uh so we didn't have the news um we didn't have magazines or newspapers or uh or anything i mean all we we were all we knew is that uh, everybody who lived in new york um was uh basically calling home no matter what whether or not they were allowed to or not and uh that we were told the u.s was attacked and uh it was about it's about a year later that we finally got a magazine. Um, I think it was like a Time magazine article, and we saw the pictures. Like we didn't even know how many people were killed in the attack. We didn't know that we were going. To, we didn't know that our country was going to war. Like we didn't know any of that kind of stuff. All of that. All of that was being censored from us. And so I kind of had this weird, delayed reaction to to 9/11. I didn't really understand. I didn't even really know what happened until I left Mexico, and that was in 2003. And so, you know, once I saw it, it was, I mean, I couldn't believe that they were able to keep that from all of us. But then, yeah. you know, in retrospect, obviously, I, it kind of makes sense. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, you know, so it's kind of, for me, it's one of those things where I, I don't have the good story of, uh, you know, of, of, of where I was. I don't, I, don't, I, I was, <laughs> I was doing the same thing that I did for 28 months, basically. You know, but yeah, you're, I mean, you're right. Once when I, when I came back, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was time that's, you know, I've done, I've been doing a lot of, I've done a bunch of like, you know, genealogical research on my family and my whole family is full of, of soldiers who've been in some, who they all volunteered. Some of them, actually all of them volunteered. None of them were drafted. And, you know, that's what we do. It's our job. 
Like that's I looking back on it, you know, 12 years later from when I enlisted, I just kind of, I just couldn't see there to me, there was no other option really. It's like, look, like I'm in this damn country. Okay. There's a war going on. Like shit's getting crazy. And honestly, it would be absurd for me to sit here and like pump, you know, thump my chest and talk about killing them damn terrorists when (laughs) I'm not willing to go and do it myself. Damn, damn Muslims. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, complaining about them, them damn Muslims, and then like, let's just, just show me your D two fourteen. You know that that's 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 how I look at it. And like, you know, we can we can sit here and we can you know, and 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 you and I do this a lot. We can we can we can disagree with some aspects of our foreign policy post nine eleven. We can disagree with some of our you know metadata collection policies post 9-11. But what it really comes down to is that, you know, and, and I, I have this ethical dilemma in my head whenever I, whenever I think about it of, I'm glad that I enlisted. I'm glad that I went and fought that war. I wish that I'd never had to go fight the war in the first place. Well, it was certainly one that, I mean, it was a way to avenge the death of the thousands of people who were taken from us on that fateful day in September. And, you know, I'll never forget where I was. Uh, I'm sure you, you know, when you first learned about it, you'll never forget that moment. And, um, you know, back then I didn't understand the, the, the policy side or the the religious fanaticism side. But, you know, but now as I get older and, and I start to understand, I feel like I understand even less about what is happening to this country as a result of 9-11 and some of the policies implemented Um afterwards but um you know i think today is remembering the the people who were the heroes of that day the the policemen the firemen the the ems the the the, the folks that um rushed into the burning buildings and i'll never forget a story that um and i guess i can sort of end with this there's a guy by the name and you may have heard this eric but um there's a guy by the name of dave carnes and um and I, I always I always get kind of emotional telling the story because it hits me so hard. Um, on on 9/11, Dave Carnes was in his Connecticut office of uh, Deloitte and Touche, and as he was watching um, the towers come out uh, come down, Dave Carnes is a former Marine, and he as he he watched the towers crumble. He said, "We have to do something." So Dave Carnes he he left his offices in Deloitte and Touche in his Porsche, drove to his barber, got a, his Marine haircut, and then he went home, put on his old Marine uniform and still fit. And he went to, and he drove about 100 miles per hour on an empty highway into New York City. And he was former Marines Special Ops. And he he walked in and to the to where the rubble was and where the the towers had fallen and um he helped rescue um people from from the rubble and it's just yeah. it's just one of those stories that you're like yeah, this is what America is all about this is what we are this is this is the resolve um in our country and you know people like Dave Carnes you know we talk we talk about the the clash of civilizations um and then you look at our country and, and you think, my God, as Lincoln did say, we are the last best hope of Earth because of people like that. And there's so many heroes on that day. And I wish we could keep talking about this, but we're almost out of time. But it was a, yeah, it was a tough day. I, I, tough day. It, 
my my favorite story is uh, Colonel Riss, uh, Rick Riscarlo. So go look, go look him up. Okay. That, well, that's my um, uh, that that's my nine eleven story that I read every year. Uh, it's something that um, this moment will never forget, and um, we can only continue to um, support our men and women who put on our uniform, who um, pay the ultimate sacrifice, and uh, to take care of our veterans. Most importantly, as you understand more than anyone, Eric, when they come back from combat, and that's um, and that's what we're going to do. And hopefully, part of this show and this blog. Minordetail.com. What we'll do is highlight some of the problems and the good things too. But um, yeah, well, we had an opportunity to talk about a yeah. lot tonight, Eric. I I always appreciate. It. We'll be back next Sunday with another show and hopefully uh, talk about some uh, some more politics and what's going on in the, the yeah. state of Maryland. Let's see what stupid stuff people do between now and then. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have some <laughs> material, but. Thanks, guys, for listening. Check us out on the web, aminordetail.com. I'm Ryan Miner. And I'm Eric Beasley. All right. Good night.